BDFM. Welcome to BDFM. This is B. I'm D. And this is a podcast about TV. Booze. And this week, at least. Drugs. Drugs. Rock and roll. Sex. Country music. Country matters. That girl on the bus you had a crush on when you were eight years old. And you didn't quite know what was going on, but you knew you liked Something it. Something was awakened inside of you. That girl's name? Do you remember who the girl I said awakened me in, on the school bus? Shoshana <laughs> Fernbergen. <laughs> oh, man. I wish we had some Shoshana Fernbergen. I do remember. It was Langdon Alger. <laughs> Langdon Alger. <laughs> Is that the same episode what where she says... What a great name. Langdon. Has anyone ever been named Langdon? Langdon is a wonderful it name. It sounds like a rich kid who was named after his mother's last mm-hmm. name. You know what I mean? Well, like I will say... Like, she had wealth. So, like, like Marjorie Langdon married uh, George Alger, and they <laughs> kid named their kid Langdon Alger. Very nice. I did go to high school with a kid named Flannery. Oh. Patrick great. Flannery? Flannery was his first name. Oh, Flannery. Great uh, kid. Oh, Jackson Connor. Like Flannery O'Connor. <laughs> Great American novelist. No, I was talking about Flannery O'Jackson Connor. <laughs> his cousin. <laughs> Flannery O'Jackson. His cousin, the Irish DJ. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Flannery O'Jackson <laughs> Connor spinning records tonight. <laughs> that was my impression of an Irish person. All right. All right. You know what? What I think is happening today is that um, we've both been very busy and there's a lot of like crazy stuff happening in our lives that we're dealing with. And it's fine. But I don't think I've had a drink for weeks. And so tonight I was like, when we do the podcast, I want to have some some whiskey (laughs) and I want to smoke a joint. So I'm not talking about my problems tonight. I'm just... (laughs) <laughs> Happily having some whiskey and uh, yes, and lo- lovely conversation. This is you. a this is a happy new year episode because it is uh it is the new year. It's the new year again. Yeah, it's a lunar new year. And like you do in a new year, after a couple of weeks, you forget about your problems. <laughs> you drop your <laughs> resolutions. Mm-hmm. You burn your vision board, and yep. you just get drunk and say, "I'm not going to talk about." Our issues with life and the circumstances today. I I, um, I smashed all of my gods <laughs> this week, <laughs> and I uh, forsook all of uh, my virtues. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and I just want to go back to the '90s and uh, and watch some also some very like, silly you know, TV and and drink whiskey. Our heroes on some of our favorite shows have been outed as terrible we're not even going to talk about it we're, we're not going to talk about the canceled people <laughs> the canceled people that we'll get to it next we'll week we'll it. talk about who got canceled and why and if they should have been but this week we're going to raise a glass <laughs> i'm raising my glass trader joe's cheapest kentucky bourbon blend and watch a couple of episodes and i will mm-hmm. start by yes Telling you my choice for tonight. And I've wanted to do this since we started the podcast. This is like episode, what, 12 or 14 at this point. I haven't done my favorite show of all of human history, Mm -hmm. of all of my human history. And Mm -hmm. I've been wanting to do it. 
um, which is The Simpsons. The Simpsons. The show that molded me as a young man and um, directed all of my comedy instincts to this day. The show that basically taught me English. Yeah, exactly. Uh, At least taught me sarcasm taught me and irony and um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, dramatic virtue and comedic timing. and. Mm -hmm. The show that uh, on our... I want to say second date, uh, you invited me over with uh, the enticing promise that you had The Simpsons on VHS uh, taped from TV, <laughs> meaning that there were original 90s commercials. Was that why on, you came to and my I was house? Like, Bingo. That's how I got you to my house on our second date? Wow. Uh, yes, definitely. You were like, I have a projector I and I have a <laughs> VHS. I should tell more people Simpsons, about that. And I was like, that's... Uh, you know, I would have more partners if I if I <laughs> spread that or that information around more. I mean, I think yeah, I think there's a certain type of person for whom that's going to really click. Like, yeah. okay, this is a. Uh, I have uh, about three boxes of VHS tapes, and each VHS tape is six hours of television that I recorded in the '90s of The Simpsons. Sometimes there's like a Family Guy or. Uh, Futurama on there, but um, basically, I w I, re I recorded almost all of the Simpsons because they were not available. I mean, they no, were they've always just... been in syndication, but you, they were not available on no, DVD. You couldn't could just choose to. You, you couldn't just pop in an episode. You know, I tell my kids all the time, when I was your age, you couldn't just decide that you wanted to see something you'd seen no. before and click a button. It's you, you know, you have <laughs> you turn on the TV and you see what the four programmers. <laughs> That who all live in New York City want you to see, mm -hmm. and that's it. There's four or five dudes in New York who determine what's on TV at all times. This was our entire childhood. Yeah. And whatever they liked was what you watched. This is going to be a, a huge episode for us because this is going to be the episode where we discuss the 90s and syndication and what The Simpsons means to us. The one that we're going to watch today is my personal favorite, although... God, there's a lot at the top, and it's almost like I have, I have forty favorites because mm -hmm. I don't like to categorize, you know, like one over the other. But one of my favorite episodes is the Prohibition episode, season eight, episode eighteen, Homer versus the Eighteenth Amendment. Oh God, what's his name? It has that sort of like twenties private eye you know detective kind of uh character in it who's like where where'd you where'd you pinch the hooch yeah and he just sounds like this um this, this he sounds like a character from the coen brothers you know from miller's <laughs> crossing or something yeah this is a this is one that i somehow have never um have never I've never counted it as a favorite simply because it wasn't one of the ones that I taped on my VHS tapes. Oh, right? that's interesting. So it wasn't one of the ones that I had to watch over and over. I just didn't, you know, it was one that I, maybe I saw it when it aired, uh, mm -hmm. but I didn't have a, um, yeah, anyway, I, I didn't have a close connection with this specific episode. So, But you remember it, right? I remember it, and I think we've watched it together, I think. Um, yeah, probably. Uh, it's about prohibition. It's about booze. It has one of the greatest lines of any Simpsons. Anyway. So true. And and, uh, and I am bringing on a show that I think at least rivals The Simpsons in terms of syndication power. 
uh-huh. uh, which is the show f dot r dot i dot e dot n dot d dot s. Oh, that show. Friends. That show about robot AIs who live together <laughs> and hang out at a coffee shop. The show is called Friends. 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 In Spanish, it's called Amigos, and I do, uh, I do suggest trying it with the Spanish dubs. <laughs> um, Friends is one of those shows that I watched, uh, you know, as a kid. It was on. My parents were watching it, or someone in the house was watching it, and uh, I remember a lot of Friends early season moments. I remember seeing them live. I remember being like, "Rachel and Ross kissed," <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and I was oh, like, sure. and. You know, you can do the math. I was born in 86. I was, you know, I was I was too young to be really invested in these romances. But it was a uh, it was a sitcom. This was on 96 to 90. The first episode is 95. 2000. The first episode is 95. So I was nine. I watched all of those shows that were on. I watched Friends, Frasier, In Living Color (laughs) and, you know, to 2004 um, Living Single, uh, those kinds of shows. 94 um, to 2004 is oh, okay. Um Oh, okay. So maybe this one was in 95 because it's uh, in the latter half. The latter the half of the first season. So yeah. you're bringing season one, episode 15. And it's called the, the One with the Stoned Guy. All of Friends episodes are called The One with. Great bit, by the which way. Which is cute. It's cute. It's very Although 90s. possibly ripped off Gary Larson. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. Mm. If you don't know this, maybe you do know this. One of the Gary Larson books, he was the guy who wrote The Far Side mm-hmm. in the 80s and 90s. If you don't know The Far Side, um, it's one of the best like one-panel comics, like you know, hand-drawn uh, comics in ever done. It's great. One of the Far Side books under under the uh, directory of contents, or like the whatever you call it, it was alphabetical. The index. The index, the index at the end. It was alphabetical, and it said A, and there was nothing under it. And it said B, and there was nothing under it. C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, the one with the bumblebee, the one with the deer, the one with the... <laughs> so <laughs> every single ep- every single panel in this book is referenced <laughs> from the index, and they're all under T in the back. <laughs> so funny. Oh, that's very cute. Rest in peace, Gary Larson. You're probably still alive. I don't know. (laughs) So I remember this episode as the one with John Lovitz. Did you say the name of it? It's called The One with the Stoned Guy. The Stoned Guy is John Lovitz. Awesome. He's going to come to their apartment and he's going to be stoned. And um, Underrated guest star on every single sitcom of the 90s. Yes. And, you know, sitcoms of, you know, the the must-see TV... You know, NBC Thursday night sitcoms in the 90s were, you know, were a, sort of a guest a guest star machine. I mean, they just kind of like were like kind there. Of. They were there yeah. to have celebrities come on and sort of go like. But they were know. all, you know what? They were all like <laughs> celebrities that got bigger after. It was sort of yeah. like it was Clooney before he was super huge. It was it was Paul Rudd before anyone except for. People yeah. who watched uh, what How to American Summer and, yeah. or Clueless. Who else? Matt wasn't Matt Damon on? People from maybe the Brad office. Pitt. Brad Pitt certainly. Brad Pitt um, was on. Oh, Brad was Brad Pitt the drunk guy? Uh, Happy Fun Day. Oh, no, no, somebody else. That's a different guy. But yeah, 
Yeah, there's fun, a lot fun of... Fun Bobby. Fun Bobby. That wasn't it. Celebrity. That's from season somebody. one. Yeah. And uh, Friends is one that I really think of as like, with these kind of sitcoms, I think of the early seasons and the later seasons. And uh, Friends has... Friends looks really dated in the first season and second season versus yeah season five. <clears throat> Honestly, I was really into Friends the first season, and then I think that they kind of got old quick. Uh, sure. Um, we know what the conditions of the writing room were like. <laughs> uh, which what do you is, mean? Um, well, we know like from Matthew Perry was stoned off his ass. Or well, well, yes, that's true. But he was, you know, Coke. yeah. He was dealing with a lot of stuff. Uh, he he went back and forth, as you can visually see in the seasons. You can just visually tell what either if he's on drugs or if he's drinking, basically. Oh, interesting. Because um, he said he doesn't remember doing season like yeah. four through seven or something because yeah. he was so drunk and on pills. And he's come out and talked about a lot of that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Recently, but um. But, what, but yeah, what, no. But the 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 writers' room was the subject of a famous lawsuit. When a woman who was employed, one of the uh, writers, I believe so. She may have been an assistant of some kind. I think she was a writer, though. She made an attempt twenty years before her time to call out the behaviors oh. of these men who were writing in the writers' room and the way oh. that they were talking about certain actresses on the show and uh, specific ways in which they were disparaging their bodies and their abilities really? to get pregnant, for example. Um, Savage things that were <laughs> being said, very hurtful things that were being said about uh, about people in a, in, in very sexist ways. Um, anyway, this woman uh, decided to sort of take these writers to task for it, and the lawsuit ended up being about how writers need freedom, baby, to talk about whatever they want to say in the writers' room. This is a place where men make comedy, baby. We need to be able to say this shit. Safe space to say anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They essentially argued as that they needed their safe space as you um, want. to be offensive. So uh, nowadays, That's I think it would have gone down differently. I agree and disagree, of course. Like you, you know, I've sure. been in many writers' rooms, and you say some, you you can say some sick stuff in writers' room, and usually, yeah, because there are no bad ideas in they, brainstorming. You want to throw out some crazy ideas, and you, you know, if it's too terrible people go oh that's awful we'll be crucified for that <laughs> and then you don't put it in but also there's, there's a difference between saying some crass stuff and and uh, and being like literally denigrating to the people in yeah. the room yeah and there's definitely a difference and not to mention sexually sexual aggression from sure. you know like those rooms were all white men and maybe one woman and that woman was probably you know nine times out of ten just hounded you know for sure. sex from these right. cell writers <laughs> yeah and it's you know and, and things at the time you know it was the 90s and so we were like things have changed it's really progressive now it's really groovy now i mean you know compared to you know look at mash where you know hot lips is having is having men constantly come up to her and just assault her and just be like mm -hmm. please fuck me and she has to go like oh you boys and just kind of shove them off and and uh you know it there the the way that they were writing the relationships between men and women was different by now yeah. you know um uh so friends is an interesting case especially the first season i think it's written in a really it's written in a really uh, taut fast-paced uh, you know joke per minute 
way. Uh, and the physical comedy is holds up better than the verbal comedy, as we know. But it, it's it's good stuff. Sure. And, um, yeah, it'll yeah. be interesting to see with that it's viewpoint. A good show. But I, I was just going to tag on that. This is the reason. Th- this is why diversity in a writer's room is great because if you're in a room full of white men and you say a joke, you know, you're going as far as you can. You say a joke, and and everybody in the room has the same background. Yeah. They they don't have the breadth of experience to say, hey, no, that's offensive. If my mom was watching that, she would turn it off. Whereas in a diverse room with gender diversity and racial diversity, you can still say outlandish things in the room, but then yeah. somebody with a different background from you, somebody who grew up in South L.A., whereas I grew up in you know rural Illinois, will mm-hmm. say, no, we can't do that joke. And I'd be like, I'm glad you're here <laughs> to right. tell me yeah. that that joke would not land with people that sure. you grew up with. And and that's that's why it's it's good. But on the other hand, we're watching <laughs> white shows today that are written by white writers. So um, anyway, we're going to find out. We've been talking for a long time. We're going to cut all of this. <laughs> we usually talk um, for three minutes before the episode, before we watch the episode and we've done. Yeah, this is already That's half okay. the podcast, which is fine because we're drinking and we're going to have a good time and we're going to watch these these shows from the 90s that we love. Yours was from 94 or 5 and mine was from um, season 8, so that'd be 97. It's Back in the, the, in the times before Titanic. That's what we call it. it. It's um, The Simpsons, Homer versus the 18th Amendment, and Friends, the one with the stone guy. We will, as always, we, will, we do watch-alongs, and you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash bdfmpod. To watch those if you throw us a few bucks because we need it. Or you can go to Garage TV. That's G-R-A-G-E dot TV slash BDFM pod. And there you can become a Garage TV subscriber and get access to not only our episodes and watch alongs, but uh, some other really cool indie comedy content. BDFM is brought to you by Pea Sticks. Do you ever have to pee so bad and you don't know what you're going to do? Well, the best part, I mean, the best way to pee when you're on the go is to use Pea Sticks. Pea Sticks are a long straw that you use to pee and you just, you make it, you just, you got to get it situated right. Right in the urethra. You have to really get it on your urethra and it's very, are you taking a long, not a large diameter. Take a pee stick before you even leave. Just jam it right up your urethra, whatever gender you are. You doesn't matter your where your urethra We don't claim to know or even really care it where your urethra is situated, but everyone has a urethra, and that's really what brings the human race together. a little bit when you first put it in, but just just hold it in there. Just like clench. And then you've when- used a diva cup. You, you've used catheters, so you can do this. <laughs> And you can use a pee stick. It's basically a catheter. It's like a home catheter. A silicone. It's like a silicone straw for soda that you use, but gently just put it where you need to pee and you can pee out of it. You know what? I, I wish we had pee sticks for this show because I have to pee really bad right now. I have to pee too, so we're going to go. And while we're peeing, you can go to pee sticks.p and 
Sign up for 20p6 per month for 4.99. Use code BDFM at checkout for 9% off. Not for internal use. Welcome back to the Welcome back to BDFM. I'm a little drunk. I'm D. <laughs> I'm still B. And you know what I think is going to happen is we're just going to um, talk about a couple of our favorite shows from the 90s. Mm-hmm. And um, you know there's a lot of things happening in the world. But tonight we decided to just drink some whiskey <laughs> and, and talk about television. Exactly. So this week we decided to revisit to to visit to, to revisit to revisit to to visit for the first time two shows that are two For shows that loom large i f- would say formative the, yeah um in the canon of sitcoms in the canon of must see tv 90s sitcoms um how, how very different and yet very similar these two shows these shows describe how we, as um, at least partially white uh, mm-hmm. young humans growing up in America, mm-hmm. learned to um, speak. <laughs> sure. Uh, the Simpsons is a family sitcom, and it uh, owes quite a bit to and riffs quite a bit on the classic family sitcoms of the 1960s, 1970s. Um, there's yeah. a lot there if... It satirizes it, and mm-hmm. also at some point, almost sort of takes over yeah. the definition of family sitcom. The same way as uh, something like Thirty Rock starts out as a satire of uh, that girl, Sketch for example, shows. right? Yeah, yeah. Or or the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, there are definitely sitcoms that owe uh, references to other sitcoms that are built upon uh, TV tradition in ways that necessarily and by definition sort of lose their luster over the years it, yeah. it is hard to see you know the simpsons um watching the simpsons now i'm not thinking about uh the waltons right, right, um, right. i'm not thinking about the it's referencing the, family sitcoms the cosby that, show uh-huh. it's referencing happy days it's referencing yes what else well welcome back Cotter, yeah. the Taxi, fact that the like simpsons were shows. so dysfunctional as we called it back then, uh, the, which uh, you was know, so modern. It was very modern. It was very family 90s. sitcoms were mm-hmm. more were more positive before this. Yes, and this was the idea of the the '90s. Was like we were like we're diverse now and we're meta and we're yeah. we're gonna take it the other way. And this is a family that's that's dysfunctional but it's more realistic mm-hmm. and i remember there were there were articles written in the paper about how like the simpsons is going up against the cosby show mm-hmm. and one of them is more moralistic but one of them is more realistic and yeah. the simpsons is more you know like people actually act yes right like it's uh as opposed to father knows best uh father is uh, a working class alcoholic who does his best, loves his kids, but also Deeply makes a flawed. lot of really, really poor decisions with the family's money, <laughs> yeah. for example. Something that people can relate to uh, in a way that is 
a little bit darker, a little bit sicker than yeah. than and, how and people could relate to. And Leave It to Beaver and Father Knows Best uh-huh. and those kind of shows. It was o- there was never a sense of peril. It was mm. always you know maybe a, a, an idea of social standing or something. But mm. the whole Reagan era was about like sapping resources from the middle class, and and the Simpsons came about as sort mm-hmm. of like we are the left behind. Yeah. They used to be safe, but now we're mm-hmm. in in sort of mortal peril because the political system has left us behind kind of right. thing. It, it felt very real to me when I was a kid. And for that reason, I think I, I glommed onto it and I, you know, I watched the fuck out of The Simpsons. <laughs> yes. And maybe you too. I'm Gen X and you, you're younger than me and you're a millennial and, and sort of late... Uh, I'm not later in life, but like <laughs> a, a few years later and temporarily, yeah. you started to glom onto The Simpsons. Totally, yes. I'm a zenial. I'm a millennial who identifies with, with Gen X because I have Gen X siblings. And I'm a late Gen X who claims yeah. to be a millennial because it makes me seem younger on dating apps. <laughs> yes, um, I have I, baby boomer parents and uh, I, and I, I do. I don't know if you mostly. know, like I... W- I identified as Gen X when I was in college, but um, R.I.P. Gen X, we split up in 2005. I don't know if you remember. And all of Gen X mutually decided to either split up into boomers or millennials. Mm-hmm. And my my more conservative friends who are the same age are now boomers. And me, I, I turned into a, a millennial <laughs> in the, and, in the um, aughts. And we're glad we're glad to have you. Oh, thanks we for, welcome you for accepting the, yeah. me into the millennial. <laughs> in fact, now the millennials um, I've heard on, on The mm-hmm. Wire, uh, it turns out, are splitting up. And all of the more <laughs> conservative millennials are turning, are actually uh, are boomers. And mm-hmm. the more progressive of us millennials are now Zen is is uh, Zen uh, Gen, Z, Z. <laughs> Gen Zers. We're Gen Z. Zoomers. And 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 it turns out that both me and you, B and D, are are both uh, Zoomers now. Uh-huh. Yes, because, apparently so. Um, mm-hmm. Our generations have split up. Yeah. So we're we're just getting younger and younger by the day, and. Um, we're now Zoomers. We're we're digital natives, and uh... <laughs> you're only as young as how cool you are, Zoomers. Anyway, and then the friend, you know, and then the friends, <laughs> and then the friends showed up. Yeah, and Friends is great too. Um, I was a fan of Seinfeld. Seinfeld mm-hmm. showed up in the early '90s, and I was, or maybe late '80s, and I was like, oh, I I'm interested in the idea of being a stand-up comic and new york so i watched seinfeld and then friends showed up and it seemed more of a um it it was it was of my time because it was like oh we're in our 20s and living in a big city and Mm -hmm. i was in my 20s and finishing up college and yeah it it was definitely formative although friends doesn't quite hold up in a lot of ways a lot of ways but Mm -hmm. still a very funny show yeah i will say that in my day in the 90s, uh, being raised as queer spawn in Los Angeles, uh, I was one of the few people that I knew who had queer parents, and that was a very... Um, Do you feel like you were in the minority in having queer parents? At the time, I certainly felt like it. I feel like it has changed and then maybe started to fold back a little bit. <laughs> it started to change back again. 
It was sort of unheard of when yeah. when I was growing up. It was it was unheard of to have queer parents yes. because we just didn't think about that as a possibility. But right, and so therefore, on Friends, um, even though looking back, we may not think of it as a progressive, amazing show. For me, when I saw that Ross uh, was having a baby with a lesbian couple, mm-hmm. for me that was representation. Like, yeah, on TV where I was like. That's a lesbian couple who have a kid. And like, so that's something where I can see myself, even though I, I understand at the time, I understand people are not used to lesbian couples and they think it's funny and it, they think that it's something that is unusual and that's why it's funny. It's part of the sitcom. It's unusual for this guy. It's upsetting for this you know, guy. It's not, <laughs> it's not the normal. As Homer and I, says, and in, I understood. Yeah, in, you know, in it's the John not, Waters episode. You know, it's, it's not, not usual. usual. Yeah, and I understood. I must have understood on some level that that was kind of maybe what it was like for my dad a little bit. Yeah, slightly. Like that was that but was you, the. But you yeah. latched on to the fact that the, like this is a representation that seems real. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, looking back, I understand that friends upholds uh supremacies of one kind and another <laughs> you know uh you know as best it can but um well but at the time it was like yeah uh you know susan represents a queer person on tv i don't know the actress's story but mm-hmm. i do know that for me as a child i was like those are two moms who have a baby and they're, they're not being portrayed as as evil they're not being portrayed as mean they're, they're, they're cool portrayed as weird he's just, just awkward ross is as, awkward ross is the weird one yeah. yeah and ross is like can't really handle it and it's funny is, because he's he's stuck in a modern world which you know i like to say that like it was a step it was like the, the 90s we were trying in the 90s we uh-huh. were trying in the <laughs> 90s we we felt like people used to say to ourselves hey it's the 90s mm-hmm. we're progressive mm-hmm. and when we look back at TV, it was it was mostly white and straight. The actors, the writers, mm-hmm. mostly white and straight. But they were making an effort, and they took a step that was vital to what we have today. Sure, in, even in the yeah. sense that, like for instance, "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." Today, we think about that as a regressive military policy, where they say, you know, where we're telling people that are queer not to tell anyone about it but don't ask don't tell we forget in the 90s was so progressive yes because it was actually illegal to be gay in the military yes in the 90s and you could be court-martialed or jailed or worse for being queer Mm -hmm. in the 90s and then uh clinton said don't ask don't tell which 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 opened this door and it said like if you're different, we don't care. Just mm-hmm. let's not just talk. Let's just not talk <laughs> yeah, about it. Yeah. Which is a step in the right direction. And today we go, oh, that's so regressive because we should be able to talk about it. Yes. And we should. But the fact that people made these steps in the 90s, basically what I'm saying is yes. the 90s yes. wasn't that progressive or diverse, but people started making steps. Sure. The same way that like the fact that on Friends... Um, Chandler's father is um, played by the inimitable Kathleen Turner, if you remember. 
Oh, uh, is it Ch- trans? Ch- Chandler's, oh, Chandler's right. father um, is Chandler's referred father to. Is a trans woman. Chandler's refer- father is referred to as a drag queen, um, as a gay man, as is referred to in a lot of different ways throughout the show. And by the time they do an episode where Chandler goes to Vegas and reckons with his father, who is um, played by cis woman actress who is playing a you know trans woman character and there's a lot of other layers on top of of what's going on in the show but Mm -hmm. um and at the time i think that we still i mean you look back on the movie was it called trans america or something do you remember that movie with felicity huffman played a trans woman it was like a big deal that like we're oh they're having like a a cis woman play a trans woman and like and um and it was kind of like yeah yeah Jessica yeah Kemp. yes exactly and so and uh, it was just like uh, it was right Kemmer. at the tail end perhaps of like you know right near the, the the tipping point if you will where all of a sudden it was like okay we can have all these trans stories they're still played by people who are cis but like it's okay like because you know it's stories about what it means to be trans and it's the, right it was a step ooh. yeah exactly like, their stories are being told by cis people but yeah it was a step towards like transparency with Jeffrey Tambor, who's not trans, mm-hmm. was a step towards um, representation where trans people can play. Yeah, representation um, with a little bit of taxation, I guess is what I want to <laughs> yeah, say. <exactly>. Like, <laughs> and nowadays and, I feel like we are past the point where it's like, wait a minute, okay, if we if we're writing a part for a South Asian trans woman, let's try to find try a to South find Asian trans woman. Anyway, we're going to get to the recap. We're going to get to all that stuff, yes. (laughs) We're going to recap these episodes just in case you didn't feel like going and watching these episodes yourself or in case you don't remember. What's the point of trying to remember? We're going to give you a little recap of them and we're going to do it incredibly quickly. Because we've basically... We've burned most of the podcast already <laughs> talking about representation. Well, we do. Um, we talk for about four hours and then we cut it down. So <laughs> every episode represents four hours of talking. All right. I'm going to give you a recap. We watch The Simpsons season eight, which could be argued. And I will back that argument. That is the best season of Simpsons. Season eight is awesome. Mm-hmm. Episode 18, Homer versus... The 18th Amendment, which is the Prohibition episode, you've probably seen it. It's one of the most ubiquitous episodes of TV that anyone's ever seen. It starts on St. Patrick's Day. Everyone's wearing green except Bart. Hey, everybody's wearing green. Oh, no. Happy St. Patrick's Day, loser! Ow! Quit it! Then we, we cut to the town square... There's this whole parade where people start fighting, and Kent Prockman's like, Ladies and gentlemen, what you're seeing is a total disregard for the things St. Patrick's Day stands for. All this drinking, violence, destruction of property. Are these the things we think of when we think of the Irish? Classic stuff. There's an explosion, and then you it's like this IRA terrorist bombing happened. <laughs> Everybody goes crazy. Anyway, there was a parade and they were spraying beer and mm-hmm. Bart was blowing on a Vesuvula horn <laughs> and he got and the beer went into the horn and he got drunk. Open your yaps, boyos! 
Hey, what the? Ugh. Bart got drunk in public. Stop the celebration! That small boy is drunk. <laughs> The result of this is that some of the more conservative townspeople saying we need prohibition. We need because to outlaw alcohol because Bart got drunk. Are we so bereft of ideas that we must revive the antiquated notion of prohibition? Channel 6 says yes. The conservatives <laughs> went crazy and they said we need prohibition. We want prohibition! This is the, if you see that clip, won't somebody please think of the children that is this is from... And then some town charter guy says, uh, 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 Wait, looky here. Seems there's been a prohibition law on the books in Springfield for 200 years. It's just never been enforced. Well, Get out of here, old clerk guy. And then the entire town <laughs> goes to prohibition, and Chief uh, Wiggum gets fired, and this guy, Rex Banner, who's this... 1920s, like, hard-edged the detective guy. With rum running hoodlums in the catbird seat, Springfield sent for the one man who could clean up the town and shoot the gangsters, Rex Banner. Whoa. Ow! Hey, I was watching that, and I was sitting there. Rex Banner, I'm running this department now. Wiggum, you're out. Suspended indefinitely. Tuck in that shirt. Get those shoes shined. Take that badge out of your mouth. You're police officers. Homer ends up uh, becoming a uh, an outlaw beer baron because he finds the beer that they, they, they put in barrels and buried mm -hmm. in the dump, and he starts selling it. Anyway, there's this whole prohibition. Uh, there's this whole speakeasy scene that happens. Dateline, Springfield. With prohibition back in force, sobriety's peaceful slumber was shattered by its noisy neighbor, the speakeasy. Glad you're finally back in business, Mo. Yeah, that was a scary couple hours. And Mo, uh, Mo's Tavern turns into a speakeasy disguised as a, a pet store. You all remember this. And then Homer becomes a beer baron. Rex Banner is looking for him. Well, they find the beer baron, which is Homer. But what's going to happen to you? Oh, probably just a slap on the wrist. And he who shall violate this law shall be punished by catapult. And they decide they're going to catapult him out of town. But then it turns out this clerk guy finds an, another line on the the, uh, <laughs> the scroll that says, I've discovered more lines on the parchment. It says that the prohibition law, which was passed here 200 years ago, was repealed 199 years ago. Release the prisoner. It's a very, it's a very um, writery. Uh, deus ex machina. It's a deus ending. ex machina where they, they just erase the entire <laughs> prohibition angle, and then the town turns in Homer's favor, and they catapult Rex Banner out of town. <laughs> Send him back to Mama Boy. In in a hilarious scene where they basically murder this detective <laughs> that's been in town. Um, to enforce prohibition and then the mayor says i'd like to apologize and ask how long it will take for you to flood this town with booze again well sorry 
I'm not in that business anymore. Four minutes. Fat Tony says, four minutes. <laughs> and five minutes later, everybody's drunk, and they're having a great time. And Homer says, the most, one of the most quintessential mm-hmm. in any list of the top five quintessential Simpsons lines of all time. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. And everybody gets drunk and has a great time and party music plays. Okay, and then Friends. Okay, we also watched Friends. The episode, the one with the stoned guy, that's season one, episode 15, and the stoned guy, of course, is John Lovett. This episode begins with Chandler quitting his job because uh, he doesn't want to do, uh, he, he's offered a, a promotion and he realizes he doesn't want to be stuck in this dead-end job. So it's a typical day at work. I'm in putting my numbers and Big Al calls me into his office and tells me he wants to make me processing supervisor. So I quit. He quits. Because he considers it a temp job and then they offer him a promotion. So he quits because he doesn't want it to be a full-time job. Yes. This was supposed to be a temp job. Chandler, you've been there for five years. If I took this promotion, it would be like admitting that this is what I actually do. Phoebe says, oh, well, I know what you could do. Um, I know someone who's looking for a chef. They want someone who can create the whole menu. And Monica is sitting right behind Phoebe going, hello, hi. That's That job is for me. Hello, hi, I'm the chef. I have something you can do. I have this new massage client, Steve. <laughs> he's opening up a restaurant and he's looking for a head chef. Um, hi there. Uh, so uh, it's uh, decided that um, Phoebe's contact is going to come over and um, so eventually she offers a job to Monica it's basically it's Monica's job to have she first offers it to Chandler because he's feeling down but yes the whole point is it's this clear, is a perfect job for Monica. It's clear that Monica is going to want this job. So Steve, who is played by John Lovitz, comes over to the apartment with Phoebe. And uh, Phoebe <laughs> Phoebe tells Rachel... What's up? I, in the cab on the way over, Steve blazed up a doobie. <laughs> what? <laughs> Smoked a joint, you know, lit a bone, weed, hemp, ganja. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I know, okay, I'm with you, Cheech. Okay. And it's this hilarious <laughs> plot point that the idea that this guy. It's really, it's a really big moment. It's really a high. huge deal that this guy smoked a joint on the way over. And so, therefore, his judgment is going to be all off. Is it dry in here? <laughs> she has some very, very, like, specific amuse bouche, which she is trying to put out. So she's trying to show him a couple different things. And um, the first chorus she brings out, he just gobbles down. And she says, well, there's no more of those, but we will have some tartlets coming up. Well, smack my ass and call me Judy. <laughs> these are fantastic. Oh, gosh. I'm so glad you like them. Like them? I could eat a hundred of them. <laughs> oh, well, um... That's all there is of these, but in about um, eight and a half minutes, we'll be serving some delicious onion tartlets. 
Tartlets. <laughs> Tartlets. <laughs> Tartlets. <laughs> Word has lost all meaning. Classic TV moment of uh, John Lovitz just being stoned. Actually, I venture to say that Lovitz is pretty good at acting stoned here. Um, people acting stoned on TV often really overplay it. And um, I actually think he does it pretty well. He's he's not out of his mind. He's just, you know, he he does. There's a lot of goofy jokes about how he wants to eat everything in the cupboards. He's looking through yeah. the cupboards and saying, "We've got to make this. We've got to make that." And he wants to eat all these snacks. Um, it's a little broad. It's broad, as, but as it's not. We thought being stoned was in the '90s, which is <laughs> eating a lot. Yes. Um. Eventually. Uh, Eventually, she gets him to eat these tartlets because they come up, and the button on the episode is Phoebe massaging this guy, <laughs> uh, causing him pain when she's massaging him. How's this? <laughs> Sorry. How about over here? Oh, oh. See, now that just means it's working. Does that? Does this hurt? No. How about this? <laughs> the B story is uh, is Chandler trying to figure out what he should do for a living and realizing that perhaps he should just be doing what he's already doing uh but look this isn't about the money you know it's just i need something that's more than a job i need something i really care about and that's on top of the year-end bonus structure you mentioned earlier <laughs> look al al i'm not playing hardball here okay this is not a negotiation this is a, this is a rejection no 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 stop saying no stop saying numbers i'm telling you you've got the wrong guy you've got the wrong guy i'll see you monday and uh, Ross going out on a date uh, with a woman who wants him to talk dirty. He is uncomfortable doing this, and Joey ends up uh, giving him some hands-on practice. You get me so hot, I want your lips on me now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, now you say something. I, uh, I really don't think so. Come on. You like this woman, right? Well, yeah. You want to see her again, right? Sure. Well, if you can't talk dirty to me, how are you going to talk dirty to her? Now tell me you want to caress my butt. <laughs> Which uh, still doesn't work for Ross, of course. <laughs> Ross never concealed the deal, but... Um, side, side note, so Chandler's interested in his weenus, which is a great joke. I just don't want to be one of those guys that's in his office until 12 o'clock at night worrying about the weenus. <laughs> The Weakly estimated net usage systems. It's a processing term. Oh, that weenus. The, the, the whole Chandler story is he, he, he doesn't want to admit that he's a numbers guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to admit that his career is doing spreadsheets. And yeah. he kind of comes to terms with the fact that it kind of is. Yes, Fran, I know what time it is, but I'm looking at the weenus, and I'm not happy. <laughs> and Ross's whole story is that he's trying to date, he's, he's kind of a vanilla guy, and he's, yeah. he's trying to date someone who's maybe a little bit more experienced yeah. than him, and it throws him off. I was unbelievable. All right, Ross. <laughs> I was the James Mishner of Dirty Talk. <laughs> It was the most elaborate filth you have ever heard. I mean, there were characters, plot lines, <laughs> themes, a motif. At, at one point, there were villagers. Whoa, and, uh, uh -huh. <clears throat> Well, um, 
you know, by the time we finished with all the dirty talk, it was kind of late, and we were both kind of exhausted, so... Um, you cuddled. Yeah, which was nice. And uh, that's the whole story. This episode was filmed in front of a live studio audience on December 13th, 1994. Oh, man. What was I doing in December 13th? It was filmed in December and aired in February of 95. I started college in 94, so... No, wait. No, I started college in 92, so... This was actually my junior year. Wow. Amazing. I know. Amazing I'm still alive. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. It, one of the things that I had in mind when I was thinking about the Simpsons episode about Prohibition is how far we've come Prohibition-wise in mm-hmm. terms of mind-altering substances and where we might go in the future. Sure. And, um, part of it is because... I remember, th- I remember having a conversation with my friends in the 90s, literally, and saying, like, we were smoking cigarettes, and we like to smoke weed, and we like to smoke cigarettes, and we would have this conversation, like, cigarettes are becoming more outlawed, mm-hmm. and weed is becoming less. I wonder if yeah. cigarettes will become outlawed first, or wow. if weed will become non-outlawed. Wow. So what will come first? Weed becoming non-outlawed or, or cigarettes becoming outlawed? Oh, outlawed. Wow. And, and the answer is almost a more libertarian answer, sort of. The answer is they're, they're both legal. completely free now. Wow. They're, not, they're, they're both non-outlawed uh, now, mm-hmm. and which is good. I mean, in, in general, I think cigarettes are terrible for you, but I kind of think they should be allowed, and mm-hmm. weed, for sure, I think should be allowed. I always thought it should be. And I think that the, the uh, prohibition against weed mm. was, was, was basically driven by racism and anti-hippie mm-hmm. sentiment of the Nixon era. Sure. And, 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 and anti-Mexican sentiment of the, of the, the 1920s anti-black. and 30s, right? Like yes, absolutely. The people anti-black who were into weed, mm-hmm. you know, and, this, and if you want to know who was cool in the 20s, the mm-hmm. people who were into weed were the fucking people Mexicans, in Harlem. Black people. Poor people, yeah. people who are into like hot jazz music at 2 a.m. in the <laughs> yeah. morning. Because weed is good for two things, baby. It makes hot jazz sound good late at night. And it also, if you smoke it in the middle of the day, can help you fucking work in the fields for a few more hours. Yeah. So it does everything. Well, then this and is before it's a working like class Prozac drug. and lithium and, and uh, yes. whatever. In, in any of these. It's a working class antidepressant. It's and an a, antidepressant mm-hmm. and... and Weed was needed by people who were working class, who were working fucking twelve hours a day, mm-hmm. and I would argue so was alcohol. Like the, yeah. the alcohol prohibition failed because people who are fucking working hard want to drink at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not saying you should for, drink for every night, at, but for pain relief at least. At like the you very know least, what I mean? Yeah. Like having a bad back and uh, and just and and also like uh, you know what what weed can do for time for perception of time uh for the fact yeah. that it can make time feel like it's kind of lasting a little bit longer uh if you can get that once a week at the end of your extremely rough <laughs> week of work and the very right-wing capitalist ideas of the 80s which were that you know if you, if you're mm-hmm. if you're born rich you can do whatever you want and if mm-hmm. you're not born rich you are basically an automaton that has to work for it. uh a living you, you know things like weed and alcohol were vital to keeping that going yes and and now we're in a time when alcohol is still legal thankfully and and weed is still legal we're looking at other things and well actually weed is not legal nationally but it is Mm -hmm. 
more or less state by state. And things like um, mushrooms uh, mm-hmm. and acid. And uh, what, what, what's the one where you, um, that grows on a cactus and you go into DMT? DMT. Do you yeah. mean DMT or do you mean, uh, no, you mean uh, ayahuasca. ayahuasca? Yeah. Natural substances all. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's certain natural substances that are mm-hmm. being reevaluated now. Yeah. Um, and, and there still is a prohibition against certain substances, which I think is, is kind of skewed hmm. by how capitalist are you, right? Mm-hmm. The prohibitions are against the drugs that make you mm-hmm. feel a lot more communicated and more, more connected to sure. your society and the people around you mm-hmm. and uh, therefore make it harder for them to... Yes. Um, uh, uh, for, for for dictators to you mm-hmm. know for like like yeah. uh, authoritarian rule for 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 the twelve hours that I'm on acid, it's a lot harder for Rupert Murdoch to really get in there and really you know although I you know I almost I was about to say it's a lot harder for Disney to take root but that's not true give me acid and let me watch Encanto like are you kidding oh, sure. are you kidding me like no Disneyland. I would just I'd be like going yes. to Disneyland on acid is like a fucking rite of passage I uh, still have not done that myself but uh. <laughs> as is you know like you know I'm not a, a real big Disney person but you know they were a pioneer in mm-hmm. um, in queer rights yeah and in hiring people and diverse hiring they and were in a safe making a safe space in uh, for a lot of different I mean, we we can talk about like uh, there's a lot of criti- criticism to be thrown at Disney, but uh, disabled people can go to Disney a yeah. lot easier than they can go to almost any other fucking place in America. Yeah, and you know, queer people can go there and see representation, and diverse people, and um, and and tripping balls people can go to Disneyland. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> they're represented by it's a small world mm-hmm. being so weird. Totally. And uh, no, definitely. There's a backlash perhaps against uh, Disney adults, you know, these days. Um, there's a bit of a backlash against people who decide to put their money and time into it. And I think that that's, that's something to talk about. But, you know, there's definitely a lot of people who, for whom uh, Disney is like a very safe way to experience certain emotions. <laughs> and more power to you if it's like if that's where you're at. Yeah. So in, in it's sort of similar with friends. Um, this idea that the the stoned guy came over, you know, it it was um I think it was kind of a big deal in the nineties to mm-hmm. show a guy on weed. Yeah. You know, and he's not they're not the like TV call the cops. Show. You know, they're not like let's get him in trouble. Right. They there there's there's this understanding that like it, it it's sort of like this guy smoked weed. Oh no, what are we gonna do? We are square. Because we're sitcom characters. It's almost this like, we can't say this is cool, this is good, we want to do this. We the, have to be like, this is, uh, you know, this is um, uh, this is different. Yeah. Uh, this is. But yeah. they're representing people in their 20s in New York. Yeah. They're representing people that would have smoked weed. Yes. They never talk about themselves smoking weed, but they, they reveal that they're okay with it. Yeah. Only, so I mean, Joey is the only one. Joey is the only one we can reasonably say has, like, probably definitely smoked weed in his life. Uh, all of the others are either too uptight, too, you know, anxious in some way or another. Maybe. To but, be okay with it, I think. 
I feel like they couldn't put it on a sitcom, but I feel like these people in the 90s would have been. Yeah. And they, they had this beautiful balcony <laughs> over overlooking like Manhattan. Yeah. Like they yeah. would have been out there smoking weed. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's definitely a step in representation of people who are, you know, mm-hmm. maybe neuro, neurodivergent in the sense that like mm. you don't show before this they didn't show neurodivergent people in sitcoms even people you know Hmm. whatever the definition of whatever your definition of neurodivergent is like we didn't talk about people who take prozac or take some sort of some sort of what what we call those antidepressant or or mood stabilizing mood stabilizing chemicals yeah but that was treated as like a severe problem you know that was yeah. not something that would have just it was it was been seen okay. as different back then, but to be honest, you know, like I started dating in the nineties and ever since then, and I've I've always I've never dated someone that wasn't on some sort of antidepressant. <laughs> yeah, and I've taken some antidepressants in my life from time to time. I I generally don't um, now, but it's very it's very normal yes it's very widespread yeah it's something that wasn't said on tv at the time Mm -hmm. but it is a sort of a step in the the, a step in the direction of representation or diversity yeah people with neurovergent personalities were sort of being represented at this point and so um, I don't know if you have watched the Friends reunion. Yeah. But Lisa Kudrow said that she felt they d- they discussed what would have happened to the characters later on, and Lisa Kudrow made a point to say she felt that Phoebe, especially, would have been a strong advocate for her own kids and for other young people who were not uh, typical. It was pretty sure. clear. It was pretty clear she was talking about kids who were not necessarily neurotypical, as you could pretty you can pretty clearly uh, guess that Paul Rudd and uh, and Phoebe are going to have uh, you Did know Paul a, a parcel of kids. End up with Phoebe. He does, and in one of the late one of maybe in the finale, I think Chandler and Monica have some babies. They have a couple of babies that they have uh, adopted or uh, mm-hmm. have had by surrogate, and uh, Phoebe is like, do you? do you want to have one of those or something? And Paul Rudd is like, just tell me which one I'll, I'll grab one when they're not looking or something. Um, yeah. And uh, they talk about having kids. And then I thought it was, it was interesting that Lisa Kudrow nowadays is like understanding that Phoebe was standing in for a lot of, <laughs> um, a lot of demographics of, of, you know, Phoebe sort of stands in for the weirdo and, yeah. and, and the, the, the kinky person in some ways. Uh, there's there's a really good argument to be made that Phoebe is a sex worker the whole time. Oh, that uh, she really? tells her friends that she's seeing massage clients. And yeah. it's like, yeah, you see that she does massage on people, but it's also like, is that all she, you know? Sure. Um, That's a stand-in for people of mm-hmm. her stature today might be on OnlyFans. Sure, yeah. She be, had some, you mm-hmm. know, putting videos yeah. Sex with themselves stuff. Yeah. I, but 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 potentially you totally because doing that. and you can see that like there's a line between her being just just neurologically a different type of person. I think in the nineties it was sort of like she's 
Yeah, she's the one who's weird. She's hippie. She's a hippy dippy, uh, spiritual right. kind of person. And spiritual was shorthand for like being weird. Um, she was into tarot. She was into like crystals and stuff like that, horoscopes. And, and, and things. hippie at that time was still, mm-hmm. you know, a holdover from the Nixon era as a code for, mm-hmm. you know, not as good, like weird. Yes. The hippie was like a loser. Right. And, yeah. you know, today we think of, well, we don't want to talk about hippies so much these days, but, you know, it, it's the, the, the type of person who makes their own path rather than yeah. uh, it be, becomes a corporate yeah. middle management drone right. or something like that. And Phoebe is, you know, someone especially who, I mean, it's almost, um, I don't want to say progressive, but... Um, <clears throat> You know, Phoebe got Phoebe went through a lot of early childhood trauma. <laughs> she talks openly about a, a lot of traumas that she's experienced and uh, the way that she experiences yeah, the world as if is very she's interesting. Like been sexually abused, perhaps, but they're We've very seen, light about it. Yeah, we definitely we know that uh, her mother died by suicide, um, and it's played for. It's not that it's played for laughs, but what's played for laughs is the fact that she is just so open about telling it's people. It's played about for it. laugh tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so open. She tells everyone that this happened. And the, the, the joke is about how awkward and uncomfortable they sort of are with, with knowing <laughs> too much about their friend. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, obviously this episode is not, you know, chiefly about Phoebe. Uh, but she is, uh, she is in the entire episode. And she is sort of the one who... It has to be Phoebe who witnesses the guy smoking the joint. Because any other character... Would flip out, would but Phoebe is like, oh, okay, yeah, of course. Phoebe's able to 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 handle this this outrageous thing, which now, again, as you were saying, if Friends was made today, I mean, every time they were at the coffee shop, they would just be smoking weed at the coffee shop yeah. on the couch. <laughs> it would just be part of it. In, the fact that none ways, of them smoke cigarettes, except for Chandler, who's it's played with how he smokes cigarettes on and off. Oh, that's right. They do. They do talk about that. But none in, of them are prolific smokers in some ways it's always sunny in philadelphia is the 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 honest predecessor or not predecessor the the honest uh successor to friends Mm -hmm. and it's almost the anti-friends but it's sort of the idea of people poor you know not not poor people in a derogatory way but poor people who are Mm -hmm. trying who are scraping and trying their hardest to get by and in it's always sunny. You see them doing the drugs, and in <laughs> Friends, you see you you're just it's just implied that yes, they, yes, they probably would be getting high. That's really funny. Um, there are so many things I think that we read into or implied or were like, well, they would be doing this on screen, but they can't. So we know what it means. I don't know if there's less of that now. I think perhaps. Uh, that makes me think of how on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, for example, I mean, many, many hours have been spoken on how uh, fucked up the metaphor for lesbianism and witchcraft was as it was originally put on, as it was originally put forward in Buffy. Magic and lesbianism are kind of intertwined, but then magic becomes a stand in for drugs for no reason. It starts out as a metaphor for feminism, but it yes. kind of turns into a metaphor for yeah. And so, drugs. so the the 
the problem with being on TV at that point in time was that it was like, yeah, it's a metaphor because we can't show these two girls having sex because not only is that way too intense and progressive, <laughs> the idea that women have sex, but it's like audiences wouldn't even understand what we were showing if we showed them that. Like, what do you even see? Like, audiences at this point in the 90s, a very common stand-up trope was still like, what do two women even do in bed with <laughs> each other anyway? And right. it was like... Sure. And it was like, now, past the 90s, past the accessibility of porn, you're like, what is the question even? What do you mean? Like, we've all seen... We know... Well, what? <laughs> like, uh, it's uh, it's its own form of sex. Chasing Amy. Yes, uh, yes. Like, like, you know, the, the... Chasing Amy, the whole... The Kevin Smith mm -hmm. era of, like, like, what do two women even do together? That's mm -hmm. not even sex. Right. Which, which is the kind of growing up to me, you know? You can't get from the 50s to twenty yeah. the 2020s without going through the 90s yeah i think and and i don't i don't want to i don't want to say like uh you know we we shouldn't get to enlightenment immediately uh-huh but there uh -huh. is a sort of thing with society in that like you you have the the extremely non-enlightened 50s and mm. you have the somewhat enlightened 2020s Right. Still, we have a lot to go now. It is a problem that people of different diversities weren't getting work in the 90s. Yeah. But I do remember the 90s as a time when people were like, oh, we should be changing this. Yeah. We should be giving people jobs. We should be we, we should be not outlawing these drugs. Sure. And there is no orange is the new black. Right. If we hadn't gone through you know whatever we went through first there is no we don't you know get to breaking bad unless you know yeah there's there's um it's it's a it's a it's a palimpsest you know it's it's tv is like a uh, you know it's this living thing that's just being uh, yeah written in pop culture over. in general is this living thing and tv is one of the mm -hmm. most obvious uh bellwethers of this mm -hmm. but yeah i th i think there's a sense Especially in TV that people like culture, that people like people, mm -hmm. people who like other people, people who are interested in people who have different backgrounds, who mm -hmm. uh, people who are neurodivergent, people who are weird, you know, mm -hmm. like there was this whole idea of like weird people. And I was definitely a weird person when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. My whole life I was a weird person. And I still am, even though I'm a white male, which is, you know, statistically the the most the, the most represented mm. type of person in terms of race and gender mm -hmm. in pop culture. Also, it's uh, I, f I forgot where it's going. <laughs> well, uh, as a weird person, being represented by your race and gender doesn't necessarily mean that you're maybe now you're finally being represented for your weirdness. Yeah. Uh, you know, now. The idea is we're all trying to get to a place where people mm -hmm. have equal access to telling stories. Yeah. Like in The Simpsons and Friends. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're just going to see, we're just going to have to see what that looks like going forward. You know, like we're coming from a time when access was very limited. 
and you only have a few standout shows. You only have a few geniuses per year, <laughs> you know, because access is so limited. And um, yeah, as when access has opened up, there was only four networks. There was only mm-hmm. four time slots to wow people, and they were all given to teams of white people. Exactly. Yeah. At the time. Yeah, and so now, as things open up, you know. I mean, as things have been opening up, I think we're seeing that there are things that can be as uh, relevant and as uh, sort of energizing and as shocking as as The Simpsons was when it dropped in the late 80s. Um, It's just a matter of if we can keep up. (laughs) The Simpsons was truly shocking when it dropped. And... Mm -hmm. I won't say the Friends was shocking, but it, Friends was truly groundbreaking in the sense that mm-hmm. it wasn't about a nuclear family right. doing the right thing all the time, and that's what The Simpsons yeah. was about. It the, was the about pilot, the pilot episode of Friends is about people yeah. who were weird, flawed people who did fucked up shit sometimes, mm-hmm. and you know Homer. Becoming an outlaw sometimes. And yeah. That's why th- this episode is is so fun because it's it it's Homer becoming an outlaw and and you know you see Marge going you know that's very clever mm-hmm. I've never seen you do something clever and and you see Marge getting on Homer's side and mm-hmm. you see in Friends you see people going you know like you know we're accepting that this guy is sort of <laughs> weird and let's just pl- you know let's just go with it yeah yeah there is some kind of acceptance of the coming weirdness. <laughs> the coming <Perhaps>. weirdness. <laughs> the weirdness that we are all in today. Yeah. Um, which is great. The weirdness is, uh, is, is I think that's, that's the, uh, that's the crux of, of today's mm-hmm. episode is we- weirdness. Like, you know, weirdness is okay. that weirdness is uh weirdness is what you know keeps us going when i was growing up weirdness was a drawback you know mm. weirdness was something that you should hide and yeah i think what we've learned these decades is that weirdness is is an asset to society it's an asset to pop culture it's an asset to you know us us all getting along like the mm. idea that that's the the crux of freedom, the crux of like democracy is mm-hmm. is is being weird. And, you know, sometimes we you know, if there's a law that's stupid, mm-hmm. we we go around it sometimes. Yeah. You know, in in The Simpsons, it was a law against uh, uh, alcohol in these days. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. a law against bodily automaty. Uh, mm. uh, yeah, automat. <laughs> what's the word? Automatry. Optimology. Optimology. Automaty. Autonomy. Autonomy. Bodily autonomy. Yeah. You know, for women, you know, we're we're taught that, you know, these these laws are the law of the land, but really, what mm. the, the 
the people want. For instance, in terms of the uh, abortion debate, the people want this freedom. Mm-hmm. For in, in general, the people want, even in red states, the people want this freedom to make your own decision, decision about having children, this decision about procreation. Yeah, reproductive rights. Reproductive rights. People want this decision. And mm-hmm. when the Rex banners of the world <laughs> come in and uh, do this 50s act, and you see this in Congress today, and they're all doing this 50s <laughs> act about, like, yeah, uh, how, oh, you know, people, like, we're going to ban books because it's wrong to talk about gayness. We, we know that the, the general population, the pop culture, the whole mm-hmm. culture around us, wants more freedom and less of this right wing this uh, dictatorship this control this control just like yeah and these are uh these are in the end two shows that um that embody (coughs) the idea of uh a different kind of family the simpsons as uh an you know an imperfect a flawed a dysfunctional but a loving family and friends, a mm-hmm. group of found family, people who, uh, you know, which at the time was in itself a, a very progressive thing. The concept that you don't have to be tied to your biological family and that you can have stronger ties with your friends. Yeah. The found family thing. Friends was very much about found family. Mm-hmm. And it it was comforting to people like me who didn't feel a connection to our biological family. But when I became an adult, I found these profound connections to mm. extended family, to to my friends mm-hmm. who I felt were like family. And and to this day, in my forties, almost fifties, my you know my friends are my family. You mm-hmm. know. And it's a diverse family Mm -hmm. who are more close to me Mm -hmm. than my biological family is. Mm -hmm. And I think it shows like these episodes of The Simpsons and Friends that sort of pave the way for that sort Mm -hmm. of understanding. Sure. Yeah. That chosen family is uh, just as valid, if uh, if not the whole thing. It's not the whole, <laughs> the, the whole point. Shabab, the whole burrito. The whole shabang. And also, you know, we're seeing now, in terms of prohibition, uh, THC is being pretty mm-hmm. much legalized around the United States. Anyway, if mm-hmm. you're in a different culture, hopefully, it will be uh, decriminalized where you are. Um, but also we're looking at things like laws and like Portland is is mm-hmm. um, decriminalizing uh, mushrooms, mm-hmm. uh, m- meaning um, psilocybin. Right. A ketamine is drug. being used in a lot of uh, clinical, you know, sessions for people with depression, for example. Ketamine is being used for an antidepressant in, in many sessions. Um, a friend of mine who uh, my friend Lou, who succumbed and passed away to cancer did many uh, um, psilocybin tests in hospitals 
mm. where he, he told me, you know, that, that it was it was extremely positive and helpful for him to do mm. to to take certain substances and chemicals to help him get through the process mm. of having terminal cancer. And I'm not a, I'm not a complete libertarian and I think I don't, I don't think that heroin and um what's the drug they put into uh um, cocaine uh the ofentanil fentanyl. fentanyl yeah I I don't think that everything I don't think that fentanyl and cocaine and heroin should be legal everywhere around the, the world but I do believe that there are certain chemicals that can help us in a mental state and you know there's a conversation to be had about what the line is because you know i don't think that we should all get heroin for free at the corner wow (laughs) (laughs) that's great okay this has been bdfm i'm i'm slurring my words because we're getting (laughs) drunk we decided to have an episode where we're going to drink uh some booze and and get high and watch some of our favorite shows. And, and I think we've done that. I, I think, think we've, we've done that in a real succeeded way. succeeded in that. Yes. And uh, yes, this was our, our celebratory New Year's episode and, uh, and a nostalgic episode about looking back. Back to the past Celebr- of drugs and forward to the future of drugs. This was celebristalgic. <laughs> you can find us at uh, BDFM Pod. On uh, <laughs> Instagram and, and Twitter. Uh-huh. This is true. And also, uh, patreon.com slash pod is a place you can go to see our watch-alongs. We watch TV and talk along <laughs> to it, which you can listen to. The episodes, you know, the episodes we just talked about, we watch along them. <laughs> All right. We're and we waste- do it on uh, Garage. <laughs> Garage TV, also G-R-A-G-E dot TV. Check that out. Garage cool. TV, which is available on iOS and Android. You can download Garage TV. It's an app. And uh, subscribe. And you can see this show and many others, a few others. Look for us on Patreon slash BDFMPod.com. Please send us all of your Instagrams. If you're on Instagram, send us a picture of a cute dog on Instagram. And uh, let us know what episodes of classic TV sitcoms you want to see. You are no longer allowed to choose Simpsons. Please do Simpsons already because we have. Now we're we gonna have do more Simpsons. We're going to do so much more Simpsons. All right. <laughs> this has been BDFM. I've been B D. I've been D D D B B. And the FM stands for. Fantastical Madrigals. Fantastical Madrigals. Thank you. This is the end. B D F M. Boo, 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 boo.